Let us be attentive. O Lord, how magnificent are your works. You have made all things in wisdom. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Wisdom. The reading is from the Acts of the Apostles. Let us be attentive. In those days, those apostles who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to none except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Greeks also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number that believed turned to the Lord. News of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a large company was added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught a large company of people. And in Antioch the disciples were for the first time called Christians. Now in these days prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And one of them, named Agabus, stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. And this took place in the days of Claudius. And the disciples determined, everyone according to his ability, to send relief to the brethren who lived in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. Peace be with you, the reader. Wisdom arise, let us hear the Holy Gospel. Peace be with you all. The reading is from the Holy Gospel according to John the Theologian. Let us be attentive. Let us attend. At that time, Jesus came to the city of Samaria called Shar near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and so Jesus, weird as he was with his journey, sat down beside the well. 
It was about the sixth hour. There came a woman of Samaria who drew water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for the disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself? and his sons, and his cattle. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. The water I shall give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and he whom now have is not your husband. This you said truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you say that Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is when the true worshipers of worship the Father in the Spirit and truth. For such the Father seeks to worship Him. God is Spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in Spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will show us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Jesus then his disciples came, 
marveled that he was talking with a woman, but none said, what do you wish, or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into the city and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the city and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples besought him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him food? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do not say, There are yet four months, then yet comes harvest. I tell you, lift up your eyes and see how the fields are already white for harvest. He who reaps receives wages and gathers fruits for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here he saying holds true, one sows and another reaps, I send you to reap for that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, They asked him to stay with him, and they stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of your words that we believe, for we have heard ourselves, and we know that this indeed Christ the Savior of the world. Peace be with you who proclaim the gospel. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Christ is risen. In the famous French poet, the playwright, Paul Claudel's work, it's called The Humiliation of the Father, the author makes the following statement. He said, They say that they thirst not. They say that this is not a well, 
that this is not water. They say that this is not a well of water as they have imagined it to be, and they say that there is no water. No matter how much contemporary man and modern society says and insists that it thirsts not, deep down it knows and feels the desire and the longing of the true God because the well of man has grown dry. His inner being and soul is parched. It's really become a deserted wasteland. Too often have we humans sought a multitude of false means to quench the thirst that scorches us, but to no avail. On the contrary, by searching in all the wrong places for refreshment, humanity has brought upon itself and continues to bring upon itself all sorts of tragedies and disasters, both personal, societal, and global. When will we wake up and realize that, as the Holy Fathers of our Church teach, humanity was created by God and for God and to enjoy God forever? He and He alone can quench our thirst. In his suicidal denial of this very fact, man has abandoned God for everything else in a vain attempt to satisfy himself. God pronounced this long ago through his mouthpiece, the prophet Jeremiah. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and dug water tanks for themselves, but cracked water tanks that hold no water, says the prophet. We are waterless, brothers and sisters, without God, doomed to die of spiritual dehydration. He and he alone can quench our thirst. But we learn today, or are reminded once again, that not only humans thirst for God, but that God thirsts for us. Certainly he doesn't thirst in a physical sense, but he desires us to come to him again, to return to him who is the fountain of life. It was for this reason that Christ came to the Samaritan woman. He came at the sixth hour at noon, in the heat of the day, and he came to meet her at the well. This shows us, mystically, his divine thirst and just how much God the Creator burns and longs to be with his creatures and to satiate and refresh them with his own love. It is interesting that when God comes to the woman at the well, there is a great misunderstanding between them. So let's take a look at that dialogue and how it gradually unfolds and develops. Christ first initiates the conversation by saying, give me a drink. Christ initiates because he is the initiator and the author 
of our salvation. As St. Paul tells us, while we were yet sinners, Christ came and died for us. The woman responds, rather startled, What? You are a Jew, and you ask me, a Samaritan, for a drink? Here she is preoccupied with earthly and worldly matters, the strife between the Samaritans and the Jews of that time. And so she fails to understand the statement and cannot perceive the God-man before her. Christ asks for a drink because he thirsts for her salvation. He also asks for a drink in order to show her that she, in fact, should be the one asking for a drink, and not just of any water, but of that water which is Christ himself. As he says back to her, if you only knew what God is offering you, and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink. You would have been the one to ask, and he would have given you living water. Christ is here offering himself to her, the living water of salvation, the fountain of the water of wisdom, of which the Old Testament prophecies spoke. But she can only understand it literally, at the very surface, and is further perplexed. And so she continues, You have no bucket, sir, and the well is deep. How could you get this living water? Here we have a subtle nuance between that is brought out by the Greek words used. The word she uses for the well is frear, and this refers specifically to a man-made well or a cistern. The very word that the prophet Jeremiah spoke of, those cracked water tanks of man-made and defective water tanks that will leak and eventually run dry. But by contrast, Jesus always uses the word piyi, which means a natural source of water that gushes up from the ground like a fountain or an inexhaustible spring. This is the image of water that Christ uses when he asks, answers her again, saying, whoever drinks this water will get thirsty again. The water that is, that comes from the man-made well, that frear that she is speaking about and that she is fixated on. But anyone who drinks the water that I shall give will never be thirsty again. The water that I shall give will turn into a spring, a piyi, inside of him, welling up unto eternal life. The contrast between their two perspectives is thus made very clear. She is still preoccupied with the things of this world, the man-made pseudo-solutions for our spiritual and emotional thirst. While Christ is leading her up to heavenly and ultimate realities by instructing her about the fountain of life that will never, ever 
run dry. This is further accentuated by what follows. She then says, Sir, give me some of that water so that I may never get thirsty and never have to come here again to this well to draw water. She is still attached, however, to that frear, that man-made well, and thinks he is still speaking of that physical water. You see, she is still attached to the fleeting pleasures of this world and cannot shake them loose without Christ's guidance, without him leading her up. She only wants to be free from having to come back repeatedly to that well. She is transfixed to the physical. This is why he then says to her, go and call your husband and come back. Why does he ask this of her? Because he knows what her life has been like, and he is leading her back to repentance. Only after reforming her life will she be able to have access to the living water of which Christ is speaking. She tries to avoid the question at first by saying, I have no husband. But then Jesus confronts her and her sin head on. You are right to say, I have no husband. For although you have had five, the one you have now is not your husband. The Samaritan woman, like all of us, has tried again and again to quench her deep down thirst for God, but in the wrong way. Jumping from husband to husband and even living with a man not her husband at that time, she was seeking to fill the hole in her soul, that which was made exclusively for God, with something foreign, something that did not belong there and did not fit. A square peg cannot fit into a round hole, brothers and sisters. There is in all of us that very, very unique, reserved, and special place that is for God and for absolutely nothing else. And nothing else can fill that hole, no matter how hard we try. Neither riches nor glory, nor creature comforts, nor carnal pleasures and indulgences can satiate us because we were made by God, we were made for God to be united to him and enjoy him forever. We can scurry here and there as much as we want to, seeking to fill that consecrated place with all sorts of inadequate stuffing, but we will never be at rest that way. Final rest and delight only comes when we allow God, when we allow Christ to fill us with his love, with his living water, which will make us never thirst again. He and he alone can quench our thirst. St. Augustine said it best, and in these moving words, they may also possibly become our own prayer. You have formed us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find rest 
in you. To God be the power and the glory forever. Amen. Christ is risen. Please rise.